who've come here to, to find peace have been affected. Um, and I went to one of the refugee, one of the camps for the internally displaced, uh, for those who were forced out of their homes. And I met a 15-year-old girl who told me about what happened when Boko Haram attacked her village. Boko Haram attacked my village when I was in my house. I heard gunshots. They were killing soldiers and civilians. And I was on my way to flee from there when they grabbed me. They abducted me for four months before I managed to escape. They kept us in a house and they beat us, made us pray and read the Quran. And about how many of you people were there in that house? There were many of us, but they separated the women from the girls. At the time, there were about 20 girls, but they brought more and some left. And did any of you try to escape? Yes, some wanted to escape, but they got caught. Others made it and got away. And all this time that Boko Haram held you, what, what did they do? I mean, what was, what was their reason for holding you? What, what were they keeping you for? They made us watch male captives being killed. Sometimes they would give us a knife to behead the captives, but we couldn't do it. We just cried. So they threatened us. If we cried again, they would marry us off or kill us. So that's how we lived. It was terrible. We suffered. Sometimes we were beaten if we couldn't read our lessons. That's how we lived in that house. And how did you eventually leave? It was on a Monday morning. The fighters called us girls to prepare food. There was a fighter guarding us, so we told him we needed some spices and tomato paste. So he went to another house nearby to fetch the spices. We then got blankets, spread them on the barbed wire to climb over the fence, and we made it into the cornfield. As we entered the cornfield, we started running. Then we met a fighter on a motorbike. He asked us to stop, but we refused, and we just kept running. We walked for a few days, we didn't have any food or water. We met some women who showed us a river where we could drink from. Then we continued walking. When we were about to enter Cameroon, along the border, we saw corpses. We were told that displaced people were killed by Cameroonians, so we shouldn't reveal that we are Nigerian. We got lost on the way and walked for a very long time. We were very tired and hungry. When we arrived in Yola, we were going to sleep in the bus station. But a woman took us here to St. Teresa camp. And how did you feel when you finally arrived at St. Teresa's in this camp? I was very happy because I didn't know anybody in this town, but when I came here I was received well and I have been taken care of. Father Morris has been very caring and helpful. He takes me to school. I'm happy and comfortable here. Do you want to go back home? No, I want to study here. I want to finish my high school here because I heard of attacks in my village, so I don't want to go back there now. A 15-year-old girl who was under Boko Haram captivity and for understandable reasons we're not revealing her identity. The Chibok girls are, more than anything else, a symbol of a much wider problem. There are thousands of people who've been kidnapped and detained by Boko Haram. The Chibok girls are a, a few hundred. It's a common problem here. The question that people often ask is, why would people join a militant group that is known for such brutality? And it's a question which I put to Dr. Ferdinand Ikwang. He's from the Office of the National Security Advisor. Until recently, he ran a de-radicalization program for former captives of terrorists and the former Boko Haram members. He's now refocused his efforts into getting policy correct and enabling that kind of de-radicalization work to continue. And so I asked him, how does one go about de-radicalizing a Boko Haram fighter? 
First of all, we do what we call documentation. We gather good information about the person. And then when we have a file, we have a group of uh, imams within the Nigerian prison service who have been trained. Uh, 55 of them were trained, supported by the European Union. We now um, have psychologists, we have medical doctors, we have loads of personnel who have been trained to handle these persons. Each person is handled um, individually. There is no group de-radicalization program. We take them one by one because everybody has a turning point. They don't join for the same reasons. They join for different reasons. But you have to find that equilibrium. You have to find that point that made them to be radicalized. And then you now start bringing them to a moderate imam who now start to teach them basic Islam. You know, some of them don't even know how to read and write, but they can recite the Quran from the beginning to the end. And whatever somebody tells them...